Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Food for Thought with Billy and Jenny. Brought to you by the Box Center. For more than 15 years, this dining duo has been eating their way through New England, mixing it up with top chefs, jumping behind the line of the hottest restaurants, and giving you the inside scoop on where to wine, dine, and spend your time. So get ready. It's Food for Thought, giving you something to chew on. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to Food for Thought, brought to you by the Box Center. I'm Jenny. Billy is on vacation. One of these days, Billy and I are going to be back together and do this together. But until then, um, we're sort of still operating in silos, having some fabulous guests on this awesome show. Um, I hope everybody is enjoying their wonderful summers. And uh, I know on this particular show, we're going to have some great suggestions for some delicious recipes. This chef I've known, gosh. I've been doing this for 18 years, and I think I've known him for all 18. He is just such a talented, tried-and-true chef, but also such a talented and fabulous human being. Um, He is currently uh, overseeing the Legacy Club of Boston, which we'll talk about and get into more detail. Tim Partridge is his name. He's a dear friend. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. How are things on Nantucket? I I, I look forward to seeing you, too. So I I have known you for a long time, and you've been at really some of the most celebrated spots in the city. So I think maybe to give, not to, like, run down the resume, but let's let's talk about what some of those places have been and some of how that sort of led you to Legacy Boston. So, um... So, so tell me, so, so like, go back, I don't know, so you've been doing this for decades, but let's go back 25 years, talk about some of the spots. 25 years ago I, is about when I started cooking. I came to it pretty late. I came to it when I was in my late 20s. So it was kind of one of those things that I, I left one career to, to go into another. So all of my choices at the beginning were made about, uh, were made, mostly about learning as much as I could. It wasn't really about developing food, my own food. It was more about learning about food history, about food science, about why things work, why people eat something, the social aspects of food. And I just really tried to, to work for people that could teach me as opposed to working on developing my own food at that point. So um, I, I worked, I started cooking when I was in Kansas City. And so my sensibilities were much more um, barbecue oriented and meat oriented. So I worked for a few places and learned a ton about butchery and that kind of stuff, which was really fun. Um, I moved back to Boston in 1996, I think it was. And the first job I had when I came back was for Ken Oranger, who, of course, is a is a very celebrated chef, um, one of the most talented guys I've ever met, um, the owner of Toro and um, Little Donkey and a new place in Newbury Street called Fascia Bruta. And just a really good guy that taught me a ton about ingredients, like what to use, why to use it, what you know, what's the difference between this and that. And I spent a lot of time at that point in the walk-in, just learning what was what and how things worked. Um, after that, I worked for Chris Lessinger, and it was the chef of the East Coast Grill over in Cambridge at a time when the East Coast Grill was the spot around town. It was every other chef in town was there. 
And so I really kind of expanded my network at that point. Um, but it was also at that point that I really realized that I wanted to do my, I wanted to do my own thing. Um, I see, I, you know, I had seen some things and learned some things, but I really kind of find myself, um, wanted to express myself more, um, as an individual, as a cook, you know, as, a, as my own cook. Um, so I started my own, I opened my first restaurant in Jamaica Plain, uh, called Perdix. And it was a tiny little, t- uh, eight tables, maybe 20 seats. And I did everything from, you know, opening the door first thing in the morning to closing it at night to washing dishes and serving people and greeting people and doing all the cooking. And it was by far the best experience I think that I've ever had in a kitchen. Um, just, just the experience that I'd learned that it wasn't as much about the food as it was about the hospitality, um, that go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. And so I really just kind of, at that point, I think I learned about myself a lot and how I wanted to manage people and manage myself and manage my life. Um, I had just gotten married at that point. Um, and it was just kind of a very cool point of discovery for my life. You know, it really, it really kind of pointed me in the direction I wanted to go with everything else. Um, I moved that restaurant down to the South end, um, in around 2000 and, uh, to a bigger, you know, bigger space, more, you know, more room to grow, that kind of thing. And that we worked down there for about four years and had a great experience there where I really kind of worked with people that they were as hospitality driven as I was. And really at that point, I had more opportunity to work on um, the food at that point because I had people that could help me with the hospitality end of it. So I really kind of developed my own stuff at that point and worked with really good cooks that taught me. And we just kind of, it was a, it was, it was a group of people that were very self, you know, supportive of each other and supportive of each other's ideas, which is super important. And then I went to the Museum of Fine Arts, and I ran the Museum of Fine Arts as as the executive chef there for about four-plus years and really kind of learned a ton about the business end of stuff and how it was the first kind of corporate job that I'd had. Um, And I also learned, you know, you learn the more good cooks you work around, the more you learn, the better cook you become. And I worked with a bunch of really good cooks there that, again, just were curious and interested in reading about food and, and talking about food, which was, you know, which was how I started my career, really just kind of sitting in a library or sitting in a coffee shop, reading books and kind of just educating myself. Um, that was an amazing experience. I met a ton of amazing people um, just from the, 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 the artists that came through, the exhibits that were through there, the members, the, uh, the staff. It was just a great, great experience all the way around. Um, Again, I think at the end of that, I was, I was, I'm not a chef's coat kind of chef, I don't think. Um, and that was a little bit probably too, um, it was too, um, what's the right word, too focused for me. There wasn't a lot of room to, um, to express yourself. Um, and so I was really looking forward to a spot where I could, again, it's really come down to that, Jenny, a few times a year, a few times in the career, I've, I've, I've had to stop whatever it was I was doing and figure out what I wanted to learn. It's always been about learning for me. I really want to teach myself and have others teach me. We're going to, so we're going to take a 
We've got you all the way from the museum. And I think that's so interesting because part of this is what we love to do when we talk to some of the you talented chefs out there is what is the journey? What did the journey look like for you? Because it's not always linear. And so oh. this was the turning point for you where you sort of realized something new. And then the next chapter was that much more exciting. So we're going to take a quick break. we got more Food for Thought, more with Tim Partridge when we come back in just a minute. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Tim Partridge is our first guest on Food for Thought this week. Great friend, talented chef, makes some of the most delicious food I've ever experienced. And I've been able to experience at a few different places. We talked about sort of where you cut your teeth, let's say. And, um, and the last place we were discussing was when you were at the Museum of Fine Arts, really creating, mm-hmm. I remember, such beautiful menus that you would create there. But then you realized that chapter was, was so beneficial for what it was, and it was time to sort of move on. So continue us sort of down the journey. Yeah, to me, having opened two restaurants prior and learning, you know, understanding what I was lacking, having gone to the museum and learning that kind of the business end of stuff really, really has benefited me ever since. Um, There's a lot of great cooks out there. And I was, you know, I consider myself a good cook, but I knew nothing about running a business. So the museum really taught me that. And then it was a matter of me wanting to teach people at that point. So I had the opportunity to do two or three openings for other people. And that was, you know, the product of, you know, of, of how to, you know, how to teach people, how to, how to educate other people about how to open a restaurant and how to put the systems in that help you run a restaurant that somebody had to teach me. So it was, it was a, it was a cool role reversal for me to be able to go from the, the student to the teacher, from the teacher to the student, excuse me, um, in that respect. So it was, it was a matter of, at that point, I felt like I had the business skills. I felt like I had the food. And so it was just time to go out and start cooking again. Awesome. And then we saw you at Stephanie's and tell me more about that. And then beast and then, uh, and then the hotel, it, it transitioned yeah. after that too. Yeah. I mean, I went from, I ran the Stephanie's restaurants for a few years, probably four years. And again, that was, that was a, a big restaurant, a big staff. And it was, um, it was, you know, it's working again, it's working with a lot of good people. And so I think the theme of everything I've tried to do throughout my career has been about that, about learning about people, about hospitality. And so that was a great experience for me. From there, I moved over to the Beacon Hill Bistro. Um, Friends of ours owned the place and friends of ours were looking to upgrade the culinary part of what they were doing. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go over there and do that. And then this whole um, legacy club thing kind of came to me. And I was at a point where my daughter was getting ready to graduate high school. I was feeling I'm older, I'm a little bit beat up. My legs hurt, my arms hurt. And getting out of the <laughs> restaurant, setting it up, getting out of the restaurant seemed like a good idea at the time. And it was just prior to COVID. So the timing for me was fantastic to be able to get out of restaurants, but to be able to stay in cooking in a private club setting was, was super good. So talk about the Legacy Club of Boston for those who aren't familiar. So the Legacy Club of Boston was founded by Cleon Daskalakis, a local guy, um, played goalie for the Bruins, was a BU guy. And just, a, you know, we, we, met at a, we met at a golf tournament, to be honest, and really just kind of hit it off. The Legacy Club is very much a business and, sh- and social private club. Um, all of our members are referred by other members. It's a, it's a, it's a referral system only. Um, it's, it's right across the street from the TD Garden, so we focus very, you know, all of our focus is on, during the season is on the Celtics and the Bruins. We do a full spread of food before every home game. Um, and it's, it's a great, it's a great, um, 
what's the word I'm looking it's it's not a sports bar if that makes sense it's very much a casual um exclusive way for people to come before the game enjoy a great meal have a few drinks go to the game and they'll be able to come right back across the street wait for traffic to die out and you know and and whatever you know shoot pool and watch tv after that so it's very much a business networking club but it's also an amazing social club with amazing members and i do all the cooking whether it's pregame whether it's business meetings sales meetings um private events at night memory you know dinners for our clients any of that kind of stuff so it's very um very user-friendly it's there's no cash registers there's no menus it's all handcrafted menus i curate each menu for each member you know specifically for what their needs are and i it's it goes it's almost goes back to where i was at my original restaurant where i feel completely at home and i feel um i feel challenged every day but i also feel relaxed every day there's none of the pressures of the restaurant i'm i'm by myself so there's no staffing issues i don't have to worry about whether the cook's going to come to work that day or not and it's a very, it's a great place for my body. It's a great place for my head. And our members and our staff are just super good people. What a great combination to be able to be so creative, but to be able to have that sort of easy flow. So, so and, and to be able to say, what am I cooking today? And that's one of the things that I've really admired about your cooking style is, you know, there's a lot of great chefs. We have a lot of talented chefs in our city. We're very, very lucky. But I always felt like the combination of foods, the combination of flavors, um, just always melded so well together, but were interesting when you, in the various places that I've been with you, where you've been cooking. And so where would you say, let's, let's go, you know, this wasn't your first career. So who was the inspiration for you to make this pivot? Uh, I, you know, there, I don't, there's not one specific, I, 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 there's not one specific answer to that. I was in Kansas city. I was working for, you know, an environmental consulting firm, I found people in my house every weekend doing brunches for people and going out and cooking, doing that kind of stuff. So for me, I, I came to it with a bit of a different sensibility. And it was really all about at that time, the same thing that happens at the club now, food, hospitality, people, teams, um, the relationships you make with people in that industry are amazing. So for me to be able to cook in a setting where I'm supported, when I feel supported, when I'm appreciated, and where I get to express myself, you know, creatively is is just the, the perfect setting for me. So, when you describe your cuisine type, or when you describe the food that you most like to cook, what is it? Yep. Um, I, I, it's you know the easy answer is local and, and seasonal and all that kind of stuff, and that's all true. But yeah. I I, my, I don't really have a specific thing. I love food. I love you know I love the whole Spanish stuff. I love the European foods, but I also have a a good background in the Southeast Asian kind of stuff, you know, not, you know, creative American cuisine and all that. So this job allows me to learn and cook what I want to cook. If one week I'm feeling Mexican, then we do, you know, Mexican. If one week I'm feeling this, if, if a member comes in and says they want to have a really beautiful plated dinner, then we turn around and we start doing foie gras and things like that. So it's, it's, it's just challenging on every level to describe my, I am not a great technical cook, but I am very, very good at putting flavors together, putting textures together. Um, contrast is very important to me in food. Um, hot and cold, sweet and sour, soft and hard, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think if you take really good ingredients and you treat them simply and with respect and you don't over manipulate things and you let the flavors and the product speak for it, then you're going to end up serving fun, creative food that people respond to. 
All right. So there might not have been one person that pushed you towards this as a career path, but what was like, what was your culinary experience as a child? Like, where did you eat meals at home? Uh, Who was great in the kitchen? Yeah, my, like, my yeah. dad did all the cooking at home growing up, so I was, you know, always exposed to having a, you know, a man in the kitchen was not an issue for me. Um, and learning from my dad and watching him, my my mom's side of the family is very Portuguese, so I was exposed to a lot of Portuguese, you know, Portuguese flavors and that whole profile. I spent a lot of time in Mexico, where I really appreciated and learned about. Um, you know, fresh cooking and fresh seafood and things coming right out of the water and, you know, what grows where, you know, if things grow together, they go together, that kind of thing. And so I really just kind of learned, it was more of a regional thing for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a a type of cuisine. It was where I was at the time, what I had the opportunity to learn at the time and who I had the opportunity to learn from. So knowing that you love local, which certainly is, is, is the message that we do hear from a lot of the great chefs we have on the show, is this sort yeah. of the highlight of, of cooking for you? Is, is summer and fall since we're in New England? The, I don't know if it's the I, – I like, I, to be honest with you, I like, the, I like the process of cooking in the winter with the braises and things like that, but I love, I love eating this time of year. Um, it, it, you don't do a lot of cooking this time of year. If you take great ingredients again – I try to do much more cold food, cold salads, um, you know, ceviches, uh, crudos, oyster bar kind of stuff. And then you start putting in the seasonal vegetables this time of year with, you know, whether it's a simple tomato sandwich, which is one of my favorite things in the world, or, you know, the corn, and the you know, that whole combination of seafood and corn and tomatoes. And it's just so many opportunities to get your hands on limited produce that's from here, grown by people we know. And uh, and really kind of highlight that kind of stuff, whether it's the oysters from local or the fish from the fishermen down on the pier. I get to go to the markets every morning and buy what I want to cook every day. So it's it's much more of a spontaneous thing than it is a planned thing. That's so great. And it's true. This is the time to be able to 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 be able to acknowledge. I know the relationships that you've had for so many years. And we love talking about that, how how you get the call of this fish came in or you get the call, yeah. that, you know, and we love those relationships. Yeah. We want to talk a little more. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want you to unpack sort of your go-to. You just mentioned a couple, but details on your go-to summer recipe. It has been very hot. I mean, I suppose it's, yes, summer in New England is always hot, although for some reason this yeah. July seems particularly steamy. So let's come up with a nice recipe that we can share with folks listening that they can enjoy um, as we've turned the corner into August. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Tim Partridge and Food for Thought. You're listening to Food for Thought. Brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Tim Partridge, everybody, of the Legacy Club of Boston and of a, some of the most celebrated restaurants in our Boston area. So we're in summer. It's hot. We're all trying to take advantage of these long, beautiful days. What is <laughs> one of your favorite recipes that you can share with folks today? Um, it's a recipe that I did. Um, I, I kind of grew up with and I've kind of adopted and adapted along the way. Um, it's a recipe my grandmother would serve all the time. And we talk about the contrast between hot and cold and, and all that kind of stuff. And this dish really kind of exemplifies that. Um, it's, it's a very simple, you know, whipped cod and potatoes, you know, bacala or brandad or, you know, whichever region of the world you're in has some version of, you know, some sort of a whipped cod and potato kind of thing. Um, so the cod, we just, you know, kind of poach and, and some milk with garlic and some onions, maybe a bay leaf, maybe some thyme, 
um, and let those potatoes cook for a little bit. Then we just layer the cod on top of it and let, almost let the cod just kind of steam on top of the potatoes so it doesn't really, it's not receiving a ton of heat, so it cooks nice and slow. And then at that point, you just kind of give it a good whip or a good mash. And then we serve it with a, a really simple summer tomato vinaigrette, which is, is what you would think is diced, you know, beautiful local tomatoes. I don't really worry about the heirloom tomatoes, those ugly tomatoes and field tomatoes right now are so beautiful. So really simple, whatever tomato you can grab. Um, if we put some shallot and we put some garlic in it, olive oil, maybe a chili or two. And then we just kind of spoon that over the top of this hot cod dish. And, you know, you serve with some toast points from a local bakery, wherever you can find. But it's just a super simple, casual, sit on the porch, you know, drink a bottle of rosé or a glass of rosé, wherever you are. Um, and just kind of really, it's it's a very, it's very group friendly and it's very easy to eat. It's very easy to make. And it's just one of the, you can serve it hot, you can serve it cold, whatever you like. And so it's a super versatile thing that I kind of, I find myself putting on menus a lot this time of year. I love it. Well, we, you can actually see this full recipe in a great picture. Um, you were in Nantucket Magazine for the July issue, so you can find it online on Nantucket Magazine. And, um, and I want to talk a little bit more about that because what's, uh, people are often fascinated about the life of a chef. So, and, and many people think that yeah. you're kind of always in the kitchen at your, you know, at your various restaurants, which for the most part, you know, you may be in certain stages of your career but there's also the opportunity to do some kind of private chef opportunities and private events. And I want to talk a little bit more about what that's like and some of your favorite stories. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Tim Partridge. More Food for Thought brought to you by The Box Center. You're listening to Food for Thought brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Gosh, Tim, I could talk to you for a very long time. Okay, that was one delicious dish that people can enjoy making at home. And I talked about how because you're at the Legacy Club of Boston right now, the the high season is really during the Celtics and the Bruins uh, seasons. And so now a lot of the members are off at their summer homes or doing a variety of different things for summers, which lends you to have the opportunity to do some sort of more private work, maybe at their homes or private work elsewhere. What, what's that experience like? And do you like the feeling of being outside of the you know, more regular kitchen situation and going into people's homes? Um, going into people's homes is always, it's always a bit of a challenge. I mean, one of the ways that I get around that is I always ask the client, whoever it might be to videotape what their cooking space looks like and where the event's going to be. So that gives me a bit of a heads up as to what I'm working with when I get there. But doing offsite stuff is a completely different challenge. It's about, you know, uh, you know, how to, it starts to with designing menus and what works in people's homes, what works for you, what kind of, how you can manage, you don't have all the oven space, blah, blah, blah. So it's very much a, a a challenge to be in someone else's space and figure it out, like how to do what you want to do, where you know in a space where you're usually comfortable, but now all of a sudden you're kind of out of your zone a little bit. But I do love I love going to other people's homes. I love that kind of the again the the, the family part of it, the you know the communal part of eating, you know seeing how people live their lives in their homes. People I see all the time at the club, and you go to their homes and they're it's a whole different it's a whole different situation. So I've had the opportunity to work for some great people. We do a lot of stuff at the club with a lot of athletes um, from the Bruins, from the Celtics, you know, old players. We do a lot with the Boston Bruins alumni association. So some of my old time favorite hockey players, you know, from old, old Bruins players are in the club. And it's for me, it, 
it's an amazing experience, but be able to go to their homes and, and have that relationship with them outside of the club only enhances what we do at the club. So it's, it's a challenge in that you're out of your element a little bit, but if you embrace that challenge, you know, it's, I, I really enjoy being in other people's houses doing cooking like that. I'm a, I'm in the service industry. I love serving. And so for me to be able to go to someone's home and cook for them in their home and see them in their element, as opposed to my element um, is really kind of fun and challenging. I love that. And and that speaks to sort of the energy that you have and the energy that you bring to everything that you do. All right. So you, you mentioned some of the players, like who, who are some of the folks that you enjoy working with and cooking for and uh, seeing over the course of the year at the Legacy Club of Boston? Oh, uh, Legacy Club. Again, it, it's, you know, these days where, you know, the last Bruins or the last Celtics game of the year, you know, I'm kind of sitting there and all of a sudden Cedric Maxwell walks to the door and says, Hey, you know, he's walking over to, to call the game. But Cedric Maxwell, when I was a kid, was, you know, my, one of my absolute favorite basketball players. And then the hockey players, you know, these guys are, they're, you know, whether it's current players or former players, there's just, they're, you know, at the end of the day, you see them on TV, but when they're in your club, they're just people. And it's, it's fun to get to see people in that, in that light. People you've been watching, people you may have, you know, revered as, you know, revered as an athlete when you were younger. So to get to know them as an individual and see them in, in, in your setting, is for me, it's really, really fun. My dad passed away a long time ago, but my dad was here. He'd come to that. He'd be there every night because of the people that are there, you know, just the fun old players and the stories and the, you know, just the kind of focus on, on food again, but also on, on community and feeding people in sports. And it's just a cool, it's for me, it's fun. And I hate to use the word cool, but it's cool. I have a cool job. And so you it's, do you know, have it's exciting. A cool I have a cool job. And well, there's a lot of always with such great energy. I mean, not everybody does. I mean, you walk in the door and you are always you have such a gregarious way about you. Now, okay, let's talk about, as you said, your daughter is where right now? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My daughter just turned 18 yesterday, and is, uh, okay. I'll be taking her, uh, taking her out to L.A. next month. She starts as a freshman at UCLA next month. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, oh, my so God. There's a, you feel? Uh, yeah, now, it's so you, exciting. You keep no, does she know her way around the kitchen? Does she like her? Did you cook for her? Like, obviously, you spend no, she night. doesn't. She can't cook at all. She doesn't. She has no interest in it. But she does have. She's my best PR person. She tells everybody about what I do. She's so proud and is so excited for me because she sees me at this point where I'm. I'm not the stressed out chef. You know, I'm not this guy that's a lunatic most of the time. I, I've I've eased into my age. I've I've grown into my time. And I, she just likes seeing me being better and seeing me being more present, having more time for me, having more time for others, and not being so focused on the stress and pressures of running restaurants. So she's excited as hell. And I'm excited because I could take her out to L.A. and teach her about, you know, Korean food and teach her about Mexican food and teach her about the stuff that's out there and how different the cuisine is out there. So it's, a, it's I'm really looking forward to having her there. I'm looking to be able to, to, be able to visit out there and eat out there and, and see what other people are still doing. We, my, my husband and daughter and I actually lived in LA for a couple months during COVID and gosh, I mean, you just night after night, lunch after lunch. I mean, it is, it's oh. very different. Um, and it's yeah. very, very delicious. So, all right, but come back to Boston with me for a second. Like what are some of yeah. your, like, what, what are some of the places I know you also probably don't eat out all that much because life is so busy, but if, and when you do, what are some of your favorite places to go to? Um, actually last night we had, I was, we went to Italy. I took her to Italy last night for dinner. Um, I just, I like that room. I just think it's a pretty room and, and their food is always very, very consistent and very good. And again, I had a beautiful piece of fish that was cooked perfectly and with some super seasonal vegetables that were cooked really nicely. It wasn't a big pile of food. It was the appropriate size. And it was just, we had a great experience, but you know, we go to places, you know, go down to Duxbury and go to the Island Creek Oyster Place. That's like, you know, that's one of our go-tos. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining the show this week. It's always a blast to connect with you. I look forward to seeing you on the island. I will see you soon, I hope. Definitely. Thanks so much, Tim. we got more Food for Thought coming up in just a minute. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Welcome back to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center. I am really excited for this next guest. I uh, actually met Sylvia through her husband, um, Bob Ernst, who uh, is, owns FBN Construction. He actually helped me with a project in my house, and we were able to make a, a nice relationship, And which I, I feel like some people can't always say about the folks that are building new bathrooms in their house. And uh, I feel very fortunate to be able to have had such a great experience with FBN. And so through that, I was able to meet his, his wife, Sylvia Dendrada, and we got to talking. And we're going to be doing an event together in September that I thought was worth letting our listeners know about. So Sylvia is going to come on and talk a lot about the nonprofit uh, that she works for that is so incredible and I'll break it down a little bit. So Sylvia Dendrada, it's so great to have you on the show. How are you doing, Syl? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying this hot weather. <laughs> it's so true. It's been very hot. So, so Sylvia, you're the Director of Education and Child Development for Communities United. Some people listening may have heard of you and the organization, but may have not. So sort of break down what Communities United does. 
Okay, so Communities United is a nonprofit 501c3 um, education program. We've been around for about 52 years, and we serve 11 communities and towns in the Metro West area. Um, we provide high-quality education um, and family services to a diverse population of children. Um, our major goal is to ensure that all children have success. Uh, we want to empower the families and strengthen the communities that these families live in. Um, we serve about 350 children annually, and our children wow. range in ages from four months to five years old. The children wow. speak over 18 different languages, only 38% of the students speak English at home, and most of our children and families live at or below the federal poverty line. So because you're involved in a number of different areas, how do you go about creating what is the programming that you do, and, and, and whereabouts are you in Massachusetts? So we serve Arlington, Belmont, Brookline, Burlington, Lexington, Newton, Needham, Waltham, Watertown, Wellesley, and Woburn. Wow. Okay. And talk about like the programming itself, how and, and how these are integrated and how the students that you're supported uh, become part of the program. Well, children have to go through an enrollment procedure and we have a um, a scale, a poverty scale, and children are categorically eligible if they meet the guidelines for the federal poverty levels. And so those are the children that all of the schools, all four of the schools right now, um, accept right off the bat. So they are either in a half a day program, which runs four hours, four days a week, or they're in a duration classroom, which meets for five hours, five days, six hours. Yes, six hours. Um, and then we take private pay families who are very interested in our program because we have over 18 different languages spoken and because we have a research-based curriculum and we have a heavy focus on STEM education. Um, the program is um, very organized and even though we're spread out over 11 cities and towns, we do many things together as an agency and it's like really one big family. You mentioned, 18, you mentioned 18 languages, so talk about some of the challenges around there and how you troubleshoot that. Um, well, we hire teachers who speak many of these languages. Um, believe it or not, we are able to find people in all of these communities who um, are, you know, dual language learners. You know, they came to this country years ago and went through the schools here and have kept their home language. Um, so that's um, wonderful, and I don't know any other organization that can say that. Um, we really try to um, impress upon these families and our teachers that it's important to maintain the home language because children need to have their culture. <laughs> families need to maintain their culture. So while we speak English in most of the classrooms, we do a lot of um, different languages in the classroom. So we'll do, you know, Spanish songs, we'll do Spanish books, we'll do Portuguese books, we'll be, do Asian and Creole songs. 
And we really try to help parents understand the importance of maintaining their home language. Um, it is okay. definitely a challenge, but most kids who come to us have a three-month silent period. That's what we call it. And the children are just listening to the English in the classroom. They're looking at the visuals that the teachers have all around the room, and they're getting, you know, the lay of the land. By December, most of these kids are able to speak some English. And by the end of one year, they're all speaking English. Gosh, that must be such an incredible thing to watch. Now, talk about the importance of this age group. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm certain that through research and through all of the years that you've been doing this, it, it, it's, it's vital in terms of ensuring, I imagine, you know, the future success of these children. Absolutely. This is, this is the time to do it, you know, from like four months to five or six years old. They are absorbing everything. Um, the beneficial effects for children when they're in a high-quality educational setting um, helps them in their preschool years and maximizes their kindergarten readiness. We know this. We have a, we have a very good um, curriculum and um, it's broken down into individual components, and we individualize for each child. So three times a year, every child in a classroom gets a whole new set of individualized goals that we then adapt the curriculum to for them. So give me an example of some of the goals that you're identifying. So some of the goals are like literacy, okay? So literacy and language is huge. And so we do lots and lots of reading books in very different languages. We um, do lots of word walls. I'm not sure how familiar you are with, um, you know, preschool and your audience, but those are the types of things that um, help children um, learn quickly and want to learn more. We have lots of, um, you know, mathematic goals it's where we want children to be able to do counting. But it's not, it's not, um, it's not rote. Nothing is done rote. Everything is done through play. So that, you know, in the, in the dress up area, in the um, dress up area, we, we would have children playing with dolls of different, from different countries and having them figure out how to make meals for their dolls. In the math mm -hmm. area, we have them doing patterning. We would have them playing games. You know, for and there's, also, and there's also a big focus. There's also a big focus on the parents too. So on the on the whole family. This isn't just working with the children in isolation. Is that correct? Absolutely. We we work very strongly with our parents. Um, we help them become better parents. We help them um, find resources in the community for themselves. We hold parent workshops at our sites. We hold math workshops. We hold. ESL classes at our workshops, we, at, at our sites, we held um, wellness activities for parents. We have monthly family events where we gather all the parents from each of the schools together and have a wonderful event, whether it's an art event or, uh, or a game event. And this helps the parents see who else is in the community and it helps them build strong relationships with one another. We have parent volunteers in the classrooms. We have parent readers. We have uh, a substitute teacher training program that we implement wow. in our school so that some of these parents 
would like to have the opportunity to become teachers. And so that's well, the first thing. And I know that your your work has been going on. I mean, you're celebrating 50 years, and I know that fundraising is a big portion of this. And every year you host a gala. I imagine there was some uh, some some stop there for COVID, but an opportunity for people to learn more about your mission and an opportunity to have a really great time. And I'm thrilled to be a part of the event this year. We're going to talk a little bit more in detail coming up, but it's going to be in the seaport right there, Boston, in um, at the Clark Center on September 15th. And where do people go before we take a break if they want to learn more about this event? Um, they can go to our website, um, and it's uh, www.communitiesunitedinc.org. And communities it's all one. United, yep, communitiesunitedinc.org. Yep. So, Sylvia, we're going to take a break and come back and talk more about the details so hopefully folks that are so excited about learning more about the organization can come join us for this event on September 15th. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Food for Thought. You're listening to Food for Thought, brought to you by The Box Center and Salem Waterfront Hotel and Suites. Communities United, Inc. doing an incredible job for so many students at such an impressionable, important stage of life. So you have a great event for people to come learn more about Communities United and a great event to be able to eat and feast and enjoy. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. It's coming up September 15th. So, Sylvia, tell us all about it. So, as Jenny said, it's September 15th. It's at the Clark Showroom in the Seaport District, which is a wonderful venue for us. Um, We're going to have two wonderful chefs doing cooking demonstrations. Douglas Williams from Mita, who is um, known for his beautiful handmade pastas and his flawless pieces, and Sweet Basil, um, Dave Becker, who has um, uh, Sweet Basil and Juniper juniper in in Wellesley. Uh, He has two locations with Sweet Basil, one in Needham and one in... um, Waltham, and he's going to be making a wonderful chicken dish for us. Um, We're also going to have other restaurants providing signature dishes um, as well that night, and we'll have beer and wine, and we'll have Jenny Johnson as our wonderful hostess, and she she will be chatting up the chefs as well as doing our live auction, and we have special guest Ed Harding um, from Channel 5, who's been with us for all of our seven events, and we're always thrilled to have him. We'll have live and silent auctions, and um, I think it's going to be a wonderful event. We've had three other live events, and we've had uh, three virtual events, and we're glad to get back to having another live event. Um, Tickets are dollars per person and there's lots mm-hmm. of opportunities for people to be sponsors yeah so the clark the clark showroom is such a beautiful facility uh if you haven't been in there um inside the test kitchen in boston it is so beautifully done in that you know constantly evolving and developing area um and obviously these chefs are are are, are they're incredible men uh, they're incredible chefs and incredibly talented so it's for sure going to be very delicious but more so, this is an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about Communities United and an opportunity for maybe your business, for maybe your family, for maybe um, various different entities to be able to support. So you can still become a CUI uh, supporter for this event. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have several different levels of support. and We've already gotten quite a few um, businesses 
um, as sponsors, um, and there's still there's still plenty of time to become a sponsor, which gives you the opportunity to um, be on all of our marketing materials. Um, put your ad and your logo would go on our events program. Um, your logo would be on our website for one year, and all of our event materials. And it comes with tickets to the event as well. Well, we know the event's going to be a huge success. We know that it's going to be a lot of fun and very delicious. But I think more so if you felt connected to any of what Sylvia was talking about earlier in the program, uh, this is such an impactful and an important organization that really gives the opportunity for you guys to support. And I love, you know, on your website and and sort of your your mission and tagline, Communities United Inc., Creative Start Children's Centers, ensuring the success of the child, empowering the family, and strengthening the community. And all three of those are they, they, they all work together and they're all so vital and so important. And so I'm thrilled to be able to hear more about the work that you do. Hope everybody listening is too. And Sylvia, I cannot wait to see you at the event for folks that are interested. Please go to communitiesunitedinc.org to join us on September 15th. Sylvia, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you, Jenny. It was wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll see you soon. Okay. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed Food for Thought this week. We will, of course, be back next week. And as always, enjoy your night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.